Amen. The waiting is over. Christ has come, Emmanuel, God with us. So today as we, we celebrate Christmas Eve and celebrate the coming of our Messiah, I want to just look at a number of different people in the Christmas story. And if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series called The Cast of Christmas. And today we're going to look a snapshot at each character, each cast member in the Christmas story. And we're going to look at our response today. Because ultimately we can understand the Christmas story. We can know the Christmas story front and back. But the question is, are we responding to what the invitation come, the invitation that comes from the Christmas story? And that's to have new life through Christ. So to start us off with a, a little bit of a story today. Every Christmas morning, my friend's grandpa would go to his, friend, his favorite restaurant in our hometown for his Christmas breakfast. Every year he would do this. His grandpa would always order the eggs Benedict every time. But just before they would bring out his order, his grandpa would make a special request. He'd hand over the hubcap of his Studebaker, and he would say, would you mind serving my breakfast for me on this this morning? The waitress always complied, but one year, finally, she said, I just have to ask, why do you always have me serve your eggs Benedict on this hubcap every Christmas morning? Excuse the pun. Well, his grandpa said, there's no plate like a chrome plate for the holidays. <laughs> it's good to be home this Christmas Eve. It's good to have you here with us, whether you're family and friends that are visiting or you're someone that's part of our church on a regular basis. I want you to know that I'm excited you're here today, and it's good to be welcomed I've always loved Christmas time and all the traditions, the special meals, everything that comes along with the Christmas season, the lights, the music, all of the fun that comes along. Christmas Eve was always an exciting time for me when I was growing up. The anticipation would grow throughout the Christmas season, almost to this point where when you got to Christmas Eve, it was like I couldn't handle the anticipation or the expectation anymore of Christmas. Like most kids when I was growing up, if you asked me what Christmas was all about, I likely would have said, what's about Jesus? What do you mean? But in reality, what was I really thinking inside? By my heart, I've been thinking, well, it's about the presents I'm about to open at Grandma and Grandpa's house. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't make myself as a child always feel as excited about Jesus' birthday as I felt about ripping into those packages that had my name on them underneath the Christmas tree. As a kid, I wanted it to be all about Jesus, but the presents had a pretty strong pull on my heart, right? I, I wanted it to be all about Jesus and his birthday, but I had this pretty strong pull on my heart from the, the gifts that were waiting there that I was excited about. But I want us to look at a few things today, and the first one is this, the arrival and the invitation. There's an arrival and an invitation when we look at the Christmas story, we look at the birth of Christ. I'm not sure, maybe as, a, as your pastor, if I should admit this on Christmas Eve or not, but uh, I'm pretty excited to see what I'm going to get for Christmas this year, as far as presents and gifts. If I'm just being honest, I am excited because I have no idea what I'm getting from my parents. They asked me what I wanted. I said, well, you know the house project I have coming up. Get whatever you think I might need. So I'm anticipating some tools that I'm looking forward to receiving, but I don't know. 
We'll see. I'm really excited to see how my family, how my, how my kids react when they have an opportunity to open up their presents this Christmas, right? I'm not going to pretend that, that there aren't other things that are going on. There aren't other things I get excited about. I'm not going to ask you to pretend that you don't really care about the gifts, the food, the family time, the celebration, the lights, everything else about Christmas as well. I know the, the power of food and presents. It's affected me my whole life. However, I'm going to ask you to take this short amount of time we have left together this afternoon to focus on the greatest gift ever given. And Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which we read a little bit earlier, presents this gift to us. Luke says this, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So this is the arrival of the king, the Messiah, the great conqueror that had been prophesied or told about or what people thought he was going to be. Jesus' arrival says so much about who he is and how he operates in our lives still today, 2,000 years later. This gift is first presented himself in a similar way to how he would present himself to us right now. His parents had left their hometown of Nazareth to be registered for the census and they couldn't find a place to stay. It's a remarkable event if you consider who Jesus is, the Almighty One. John says it refers to him this way in John 1 verse 3, that through him all things were made. That is who he is. That's the Almighty One, that through him all things were made. But how did he come? What was his arrival? He has the ability to, to peel back the heavens, to, to stop time, to, to bring thunder to the ends of the earth. Yet it said there was no room available for him when he arrived. The way he was received, or more accurately, not even received, the way he was ignored when he entered this life, this earth, speaks so much about how we can respond to him even at this moment. The manner of his arrival reminds us that Jesus does not force himself upon any of us. He doesn't make threats. He doesn't beg. He doesn't make a grand display instead. Just like in his arrival on that night, his arrival right now, he offers us is this quiet invitation. A call to be welcomed in and to be welcomed home in the dark of our own hearts. It's no coincidence that the inn was too crowded for him, that they couldn't find a place to stay that night. How ironic that the one who came to welcome us back into relationship with God spent his first night being born in a barn, lying in a feeding trough because there was no one there to welcome him, no room for him. The circumstances of Jesus' birth show how people throughout the ages would misunderstand and reject him over and over again. More often, though, people simply wouldn't have room in their lives and would just ignore the great gift and the great invitation that he extends to all of us. As I said, for the last four weeks on Sundays, we've been looking at some of the different cast members in the Christmas story and the arrival of the Messiah, the arrival and the rescue mission that God had for our world by sending his son. As we remember each of these responses to Jesus' arrival, let us consider our response to the fact that Jesus has arrived right here in this place as well. Jesus, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to have a great part in your life. 
He wants to become a part of your life for the first time if he isn't currently. In fact, if you've never responded to Jesus' invitation and the arrival by giving your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity to do so in just a little bit. Perhaps you can already sense there's something that you're feeling right now that, that, that God is just, he's, he's knocking at the door of your heart and you're ready to open up your heart today and allow him in. So we've looked at the prophets, the angels, the shepherds, and the wise men. They all had important roles to play in the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. They all responded to Jesus in unique ways, but they were also wonderful ways for us to learn from. Let's consider their responses to the arrival as we consider how we can respond to the Christmas story today. But before we look at those responses, I want us to consider for a moment a couple common responses or, or, or misguided responses that people have to Christmas today. Right? So if you, if you tell people, well, do you celebrate Christmas? They may say yes, but there's a lot of different reasons or different understandings of what Christmas means to people today. Many people feel that God is primarily concerned just with their behavior. We feel that God is pleased with good people and mad at bad people. Scripture doesn't tell us that at all. Many of us try to look to our own goodness, or maybe I should say our less badness. Again, Scripture does not teach us that. As we consider Jesus' arrival on earth, many of us hope in the idea that we aren't actually really that bad. Most of us, after all, I'm assuming, haven't murdered anyone, haven't broken any major laws. But the problem with that approach is that our comparison of goodness are ridiculous in light of the goodness of God. Right? We cannot compare our goodness to the goodness of God. There is no comparison there. And I want to show you an illustration to help you to just understand this point a little bit more. Let's say that planet Mars represents the goodness of the average person. Comparatively, your goodness is quite a bit greater. Your goodness is the size of the Earth. Right, so we've got Mars here on the right-hand side and Earth here on the left-hand side. According to space.com, the Earth is about twice the size of Mars. Right, so you're comparing the goodness of an average person to the goodness of a Christian or you're trying to compare the goodness of yourself. Well, the problem is that in comparing us, we can't compare Mars to Earth. It's more like comparing us as Earth to the sun. So if you go ahead to the next one, according to research, they say that you could fit 1.3 million Earths inside the size of the sun. 1.3 million Earths inside the size of the sun. See, there's no comparison. There's no comparison at all. It's so minuscule. It's so tiny. You can quickly see that in light of the goodness and the holiness of God, the little difference we see between one another isn't really all that perceivable. We know that there are bad people that have lived in this world. But the truth is our goodness is much closer to the evil of others than it is to the goodness of who God is. But that can change as we walk in relationship with him. Why did Jesus have to come? Because Romans 3.23, we read that Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus had to come to deal with the sin. 
This Christmas, when we remember that God took a huge step towards us, may we remember that we were in trouble at that time. We were walking in darkness. Although each of us were created to be in relationship with Him, our hearts had turned away from Him. They were far from Him. There was a barrier between us and our Creator that had to be dealt with. If a couple of thousand years of Jewish history teaches us anything, it's that the answer wasn't going to be found in our effort and resolve to try harder. Look no further than the Old Testament where they thought, if I just try harder, if I can just be more good, that will take care of the problem. No, we see over thousands of years of history that did not work. So God took a huge step towards us by sending His Son, Emmanuel, God, to come and live with us. To show us the way and to remove the barrier that had come into our world through sin. And He removed it through His life, His death, and His resurrection. It's not just about being good. It's about me being near to God through Jesus Christ. It's not about just being good. It's about being near to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that some of us in here tonight, uh, you're here because you were just expected to be here. Or maybe you were actually told you had to be here. You were required to be here by a parent or grandparent or whoever it may be. But I'm glad you're here. And if that's where you find yourself, where you're here just because you have to be or you were highly encouraged to be I'd rather that you be here with us this afternoon than be somewhere else. Because I believe that as we look at the story of Christ coming, that it can speak to you this afternoon. I want you to know that I get it. I'm grateful and I'm honored that you're here because there is a lot of other fun things that are going on today and the rest of the night and tomorrow and whenever else you may be celebrating. But I know that as a group of Christians here, there's a few good reasons to consider Shutting out the Christmas story. People have told you different things about why you don't need to believe the Christmas story. The simple story of Christmas isn't about church or even religion. It's about a relationship with God. It's about love, life, and the freedom that comes from relationship with Him. If you've already made up your mind or if you're shutting out, out this simple story, I'd ask you today to consider a different response. Try to look beyond all that you've heard, all that G about Jesus and all the things that people have told you or maybe have done in the name of Jesus and try to figure out for yourself who Jesus is. Because sometimes I think the problem is, is we only know Jesus through what other people have told us about him or the way we've seen other people do things in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today to get to know him yourself. Allow yourself that opportunity to open up and say, I want to learn about who he is for myself, and then I will make my response at that time. Then I can make a decision at that time. So as you leave this afternoon, you're going to see there's a table I have out in the foyer out there with some Bibles on it. And if you came in today and you don't have a Bible, or maybe you're going to make a decision to surrender your heart to Christ this afternoon, I want to encourage you to take one of those Bibles home with you. It's a gift from us as a church to just bless you and allow you to have the Word of God in your hands. But before you completely close the door to Jesus, I want to encourage you to open the Bible to the sections titled Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or what we call the Four Gospels. These, these books tell the story about Jesus' life. It's not all that long to read. 
And I think after you read that, you can then make a better decision about whether or not you want to know more about who Jesus truly is. But don't shut the door on Jesus until you've taken the opportunity to look into him yourself to really try to figure out what his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection truly represent. So let us look again at the example of the prophets. God had been talking about the arrival for over a thousand years that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come that was going to be the Savior of the world. It's amazing to think that the specific words about Jesus' birth and his, his death, his resurrection, were recorded hundreds and even over a thousand years before he was ever born. Through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the prophets knew we needed a Savior. God spoke to them to share this need, and then they would share the message that God placed upon their heart. We can respond to Jesus this Christmas as the prophets responded to him. We can eagerly and earnestly look for him. We can look for him. We can share about him. The best response we can have is to eagerly look for him and his grace. The prophets have left us a powerful example. They believed in him even though they never saw him, even though he had not even been born yet. You and I, we have the opportunity to respond like the prophets of old, who believed that the Messiah would come from God to save us from our sin because we understand we cannot be good enough to save ourselves on our own. What about the shepherds? What can we learn from the shepherds? We can respond like the shepherds did. It said they were out in the field and the angels came to them and announced that the Messiah had been born. Right? They saw the angels appear before them and a great choir came and, and they wondered what this was all about. They had awe and wonder. Some of us respond to Jesus by, by looking and going, wow, what, who is Jesus? What is he all about? I'm, I'm curious. There's a lot of awe and a lot of wonder about it. But maybe others around us are, are missing what's taking place. Well, the crowd can get us to do silly things like look and point at nothing. The arrival of Jesus' birth is personal to each and every one of us. You don't have to do anything or pretend to feel anything that you're not feeling. I want to encourage you just to respond in awe and wonder to the news of Jesus. An angel appeared to the shepherds announcing a Savior had come and that he was nearby in the stable. In their curiosity, the shepherds didn't just stand there pointing up at the sky wondering what that was all about. No, they responded. They said, let us go see what had happened that the angels told us about. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're in that state of curiosity of you've heard about a Messiah, but you've yet to seek him out and go see him. And that's where the shepherds came in. They went out and they, they went out and saw him. They, they wanted to see with their own eyes what this was all about that the angels were sharing with them. To you, I would say, just respond to Jesus and engage with the Christmas story a little more than you have in the past. Consider the idea that God, in fact, is love. Maybe you've seen God's greatness and the beauty of the world, or you've experienced his, his brilliance and nobility within your own heart. At the same time, you can see there's something broken in our world. At some level, even something in your heart that isn't quite right. Allow for the idea that the cross of Jesus is a great intersection of two important truths about God. First, God's justice demands holiness and payment for sin. But secondly, God's love provided the payment 
through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's reaching out to you in love right now. The Bible says in Romans 2 verse 4 that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So if you're curious like the shepherds, again, I want to encourage you that you can respond by opening your heart up to the Christmas story and allowing the possibility that the first Christmas was simply God's expression of love and kindness towards you and I and all of mankind. God showed that love by sending his son, Jesus, to remove judgment and guilt from your life. Take a moment to respond to him right now with what you're really thinking and feeling about it all. It may be a simple prayer of just saying, God, I really, I really do want to know who you are. Please start showing me who you are. That simple prayer. God, just show yourself to me. I'm curious. And he will. God cares about the pain and the brokenness that you've seen, that you've felt, that you've been around, and maybe even that you've caused. Why? Because he cares about you. He loves you. He took a great leap toward you on Christmas when he lowered himself as a man. All he wants in return is for you to take a step back in his direction towards him. What can we learn from the wise men? Some of us here right now are like the wise men. We're waiting and watching for God to move on our behalf. Right? They saw the sign, the star in the sky, and they began to respond. They traveled hundreds of miles from the east and said, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Like the magi, the wise men, some of us are waiting expectantly for God to move in our lives. With great faith, we've come here today just because we want to worship him. The wise men brought spices, gold, and perfume in the form of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You may be wondering, what gift can I possibly bring in response to Jesus? What type of worship can I truly offer? What gift could I bring? I want to encourage you that what God has given you is more than enough if you present it to him. The whole reason that Jesus came was so that he could be with you. The point of Christmas the, the, really isn't about the gifts as much as it's about the connection that God wants to have with you through Jesus. God is pleased to have your heart and your affection. He wants to build a relationship with you. Your response is a gift more precious than gold to God, more precious than frankincense or myrrh or anything else we can offer. You can bring a wonderful gift by allowing God even more space in your heart and your life. Your response is simply to give more of yourself over to Him, to tell Him thank you and to, to give thanks to Him, to have added devotion in your life, added space, added intentionality in your life to be with Him. When you do that, it will be met with a joyful communion of God, giving more of Himself to you. Because that connection and closeness is what God desires in our lives. So we're going to look at one more response here in just a moment to Jesus' arrival. But no matter who you are today, no matter what you thought about Christ and Christmas as you came in today, I want to give you an opportunity, maybe as we've just shared more about Christmas, about that first gift that came up, the love that God has for us, to respond today to the teaching of Jesus 
to Him reaching out to you, to Him taking a step towards you out of love. So I would encourage you today, if you've never given your heart or your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you walked away, and today you want to respond by beginning a relationship with Him for the first time or again, I want to allow you the opportunity to do that. So what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask that everyone bow their heads and they close their eyes. With nobody looking around this afternoon, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel message today. And so if you're responding today or if you've ever responded before, I simply want you to repeat after me in prayer today. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you from this day forward. I put my faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Please come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you that that prayer is not the end, but rather the beginning of a relationship with Christ. It will change the rest of your life if you allow it to do so. If you chose today to respond to Jesus through a relationship that you'd rather do things His way than your own ways, I want to, I am so excited for you that you are walking out in faith, trust and belief in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's the most important beginning for any of us in our lives. I want to encourage you to keep pressing on in that decision. We're inviting you to be a part of the life of this church or another church if you do not live in this area. We want to encourage you to be around other believers, to be encouraged, to, to be held accountable, to grow in your faith. Lastly, let's look at the angels as we get ready to wrap up this afternoon. Again, whomever you most identify with in the Christmas story, all of us can close our service like the angels did. On the night when Jesus arrived, the angels praised God and sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We can wrap up this part of Christmas by carrying out our praises into our Christmas celebrations, giving him glory in a way that you treat one another, giving God glory in the way that you celebrate Christmas this year, giving God glory in the way that you sing, giving Him glory in the way that you live your life day in and day out. When we are looking to anything other than Jesus for our fulfillment, we are guaranteed to be disappointed. You can have the experience of a lifetime. You can go to a restaurant on the moon, but eventually you'll still be disappointed. They're working on building a restaurant on the moon right now. The food's terrific, but they say there's no atmosphere. See, even that disappointed me. There's nothing better than Jesus. There's no other one who deserves our praise. I'm going to have the worship team join me back up here on the stage. Wherever the simple and remarkable story of Christmas finds you today, I'm so glad and thankful you've decided to share in its remembrance with us today. I'm so honored that at this special holy time, you chose to be here. And now that Christmas is finally here, I pray that your Christmas is calm, that it's quiet and full, and that it brings you one step closer to the one who came to be with us so that we can be with him forever. We're going to close out our time of celebration today 
We're singing Silent Night together in just a moment. But at this time, I'm going to pray and then we're going to ask you to stand up. If you have your tea lights, we'll turn them on. If you don't, they are out there on the table if you need to grab one at this time. But Father, we thank you that you sent your Son. We thank you that Christ came to be Emmanuel, God with us, to dwell with us. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace on those on whom his favor rests. For the light now shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We want to respond to your arrival by drawing closer to you. We know you never stop drawing near to us. Father, may we always look to you. We thank you for coming to rescue us from the problem of sin that was present in our world through your Son, Jesus Christ. We glorify you, we love you, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.